If you're new here, we're glad you're here. We welcome you. We want you to feel at home. We want you to feel Jesus. And we want you to have an encounter that will change your life. That's what this is all about. It's not just about coming and singing and doing some stuff. It's about having our life changed by the one who made us. Amen. And the only one who can save us. It's about having an encounter with Jesus Christ that completely turns our life upside down in a good way. Amen. Because I know we can all say that we've had our life at some time, at some point, turned upside down in a not so good way. Right? So this is an opportunity to have it turned upside down the right way in a good way and get your life going in a great direction. So welcome. And that video was fun, but it underscores a point that prayer sometimes can be intimidating. You Sometimes you don't know what to say. You don't even know what to pray for, right? And sometimes you, you want to pray for things that you don't know if you should pray for. And sometimes you probably should pray for some things that you don't pray for. So that's we're, we're talking about this today. We're going to uncover this thing, and I want to talk to us today. I want our, our mind and our thinking to be expanded, and we're going to pray big. Everybody say pray big. big. Scripture says in in Romans that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Not by what we do, not by what we hear. We're transformed by how we think. And today I want to expand our thinking when it comes to how we pray and the things we pray for. Is that okay? Who's heard these prayers? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Who has prayed this prayer? Who still prays that prayer? It's okay. It's a prayer. How about this one? This is a dinner prayer. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Does anybody pray that one? Wow. That's awesome. I was like, who says these thy gifts? Y'all do. We pray in Shakespeare. That's okay. That's okay. If that's how you pray, then pray that way. Prayer is simply communicating with our Savior. However you do that. If you use Shakespeare or if you use the Urban Dictionary, the good words. Don't use the bad ones. It won't end well for you. Okay? So however you pray, if it's in modern or Shakespeare, it doesn't matter as long as you are praying. And here's my favorite one. I said this one once and I got hit. Good bread, good meat, praise God, let's eat. My dad hit me. Not lying. And I wasn't four. I wasn't four. He's like, boy, I taught you better than that. I'm like, yeah, you did. Sorry. It's one of those things that happened once because you knew not to do it again because things only escalated from that point and the baseline wasn't good. So I didn't do that one again. So we're going to focus on this, not just prayer, not just words, but big prayer. Everybody say big prayer. I want to drill that into your heads today. Big, audacious, scary, big deal kind of prayer. There's a mindset to prayer and our approach to it. Let's talk about two minds. Everybody say two. The first one is the get me by mindset. We've all been there at some point. You may be there right now. It's the get me by mindset. It's, it's, we, we used to have testimony service, and we stopped for a good reason, because people were saying all kinds of crazy stuff. You never knew what somebody's going to say. It was, it was an open forum where somebody could stand up, and the point was to give a praise, because 
faith comes by hearing, and we believe that. When you hear something good that happens in somebody's life, it increases your faith. So we had this, this open forum where I've been going to church since I was big, uh, small enough to lay under the pew, pick the gum off the seat, of, you know, the, the pew above my head, and rub the lady's pantyhose leg in front of me. <laughs> I did that. I was a church brat, and pantyhose felt slick, so I rubbed her leg, and it, it is what it is. I was little, guys. I wasn't like 13 or 14. Come on. <laughs> but in this testimony service, sometimes you would have people stand up and say, just pray my strength in the Lord that I can make it in. That is the get me by kind of prayer. The get, me pi, the get me by kind of prayer says, I just want to make it. It's, I don't want to put God out very much. I don't want to ask too much. I don't want to assume too much. I don't really want to put him out. Or it might, the get me by kind of prayer might be that I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. Let's get that out of the way. None of us do. Because the Bible says there's none good but God. So the, the get me by mindset, maybe I don't deserve it, so I don't want to ask for too much. It might be that you think, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it, I'm not good enough, or I'm scared to ask for what I really need or what I really want. The thing about that is, is that God gives us vision. It's not about just being selfish. It's, it's that God gives us vision, and we have to pray that vision. So if God has given you a vision of where your life is going, we need to pray that. Not just the get-me-by mindset, but I'm going to talk about the next one in a minute. But we, we feel kind of like Eeyore, thanks for noticing. You know, it's just like, I don't want to be too much of a problem. I might not deserve it. I might not be good enough. But here I am. Just give me what I need. And that's the get-me-by mindset. Scripture says that we reap what we sow in every area of our life. And I believe that this also applies to our prayer time or our prayer life. We get back what we put out there. Think about that. It pertains to how we pray. Why do I think this? Because Scripture also says that we don't have because we don't ask. In the Old English or the, the Shakespearean version, the King James, it says, Ye have not because ye ask not. We don't have because we don't ask for it. So let's put it this way. You will not get, you will not get 100% of what you don't ask for. So if we're focused on this get me by kind of prayer, and we're just asking God for the bare minimum to get by, to live our life, to squeak by, that's what we're going to get. And if, if that's all we're asking for, if that's all we're getting, we can become disillusioned because we see other people living in favor and abundance and blessing, and we don't have that, but we're getting frustrated because we don't have the same things or we're not experiencing the same things, but we're not asking for the same things. The get-me-by kind of prayer can limit what God can do in your life. The Bible said that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above. That's a lot. All we ask or think. So whatever your wildest dream is, whatever your wildest imagination is, God is able to do more than that. Why does it separate the two? Why does it separate ask and think? Because we always think more, more than what we ask for. So he's able to do more than what I ask for. But beyond that, he's able to do more than what I think. It lets me know there's a gap between what I ask for and what I think. And maybe I should close the gap on what I ask and what I think. 
but I don't deserve it. No, I don't. But he's put it out there. We don't have because we don't ask. The second mindset is the let me have it all mindset. Do we have any of you out there that you want it all? Two hands. That might explain something. Three. I want everything. Let me have it all. That's the big prayer, and that's what today is all about. My hope today is that more of us move from the get me by prayer to let me have it all prayer. Why? Because if I go for broke, if I go for the let me have it all prayer, I'm going to land somewhere between get me by and, and have it all, and I'm better off than I was just squeaking by. Does that make sense? We need to pray big, bold prayers. I hope that by the time I'm finished today, and we're going to pray at the end, I pray we're going to expand our mindset regarding prayer. Why? Because God answers prayer. Period. God answers prayer. It's not about praying a wish list. So don't, don't start thinking, okay, I got this new car I want, and I got this, this new ring, and this new watch, and these shoes, those red-bottom things that cost 2500 bucks a pair. I want a pair of those. It's not about that. If God blesses you with gazillions of dollars, you want to do that, that's entirely up. That's on you. But it's not about praying a wish list. It's about praying God's abundance in every facet of our life. Why? Because you are a billboard for what Jesus Christ can do in somebody's life. You are his commercial. You're his advertisement. And the more blessed you are, the better he looks. The more successful you are, the more powerful he appears. The more more messed up you started and the more successful you become, that's the wow factor of what God can do in somebody's life. And that's what the big prayer is all about. It's about radically changing our situation and our circumstance. It's about praying for what we need and what we want, but being okay if we don't get everything we want. There have been many prayers that I've prayed that I haven't gotten what I wanted, and sometimes it was for my good. It's about focus. It's about determination. And sometimes God is just looking for somebody who's determined that, that something is going to change and that, that your circumstance and situation will be different than what it is right now. It's about staying with something and being persistent. In James chapter 5, Scripture says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you can be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the, the, the Shakespeare version. In my paraphrase, it's the fervent prayer of a righteous man is effective and gets a lot done. The fervent prayer of a righteous man, it gets a lot done. And I, you know, this, this may not be for you, this may not be for everyone, because you, you may not have big needs. You, you may not have big dreams. If not, that's okay. Just pray for all of us that do have big needs. Pray for all of us that do have big dreams and aren't satisfied with where we are, that we can be persistent and we can be determined and we will not give up on the dreams that God has given us. Is that okay? Go big or go home. Who's heard that before? Yeah, most of us have. Go big or go home. It implies do it all out or don't do it. Be committed or don't start. Big prayers put us out there. Big prayers test our 
faith. A big prayer can make you look foolish. A big prayer can, can put things out there that, that somebody may criticize you for later if that thing doesn't happen. But faith is believing what you can't see. Faith is believing what you can't see. You, if, if you can see it, you don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe in it. You don't have to believe that that will happen if it's happening in front of your eyes. Faith is believing what you can't see. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. Imagine in, in the scripture when, when the, the Bible talks about Noah building an ark. And the story, you know, we've got these little, it's, it's all, it's, it's cutified for the kids and you know, you have the toys and the fabric things and the ark, and it's pretty and cute. And then you got the animals two by two going in. Um, and Noah saved the world. As we know it, Noah saved humanity by building the ark and, and taking all the animals inside and, the, and all the stuff. And, and he was on the ark, and it rained. And That's a cool story. But what most people don't take the time to know or, or discover is that it had never rained, ever. And Noah wasn't building a boat in dry dock by a body of water. He was building a boat away from water. And God spoke to him and said, Noah, build this boat. It's going to rain. I'm going to destroy the world. Everybody that is not in this boat will die. Build the boat. Noah had a relationship with God. He was perfect. And what did he do? He built the boat. And see, we think in our, in our times, in our years, we're on the earth, you know, 70, 80 years. Uh, my son told me that we may live into our 90s or even 100s because we're medicine so much better and we're actually starting to get more healthy. That's a good thing. But, but time then wasn't like time is now. They were living seven, eight, nine hundred years. So Noah starts building this boat. You know how long it took Noah to build the boat? 120 years. Noah looked like a fool for 120 years. And we think middle school is bad. <laughs> right? Who's in middle school right now? Who thinks it's the worst time of your life? Yeah, it is. It starts to get better in ninth grade. Ninth grade is still rough, but by 10th grade, you're good. You're, you're on the right track. And we think that segment of our life, it, it just, it just is crazy and it's awful and it's bad. Noah had 120 years in middle school. That's longer than we live. Why? Because he was doing something that had never been done, that completely defied logic. It didn't make sense. He was building a boat away from water, and it had never rained. He's talking about God's going to open up the heavens, and it's gonna, water's going to come down, and this boat's going to float, and if you're not in this boat, you're going to die. Okay, Noah, what you drinking? What are you on, buddy? I don't know what they had back then, but they had stuff. As long as man has been alive, they've had stuff, right? They found some way. Yeah, you know. So Noah, by faith, stepped out and built a boat for 120 years before the first drop of rain fell. Big prayers, big faith, big vision will put you out there. How about, how about David and Goliath? That's a story most people know. David was a 17-year-old. The Bible called him a ruddy complected. He was a ginger. He was a redhead, ruddy complected. He was, you know, he was, he was pretty. The Bible says pretty. But Goliath was a giant. He was 10 
feet tall. There's a, there's a kid playing high school basketball right now that's seven feet, seven inches tall. And he looks like a complete, just, he looks weird. <laughs> because his neck is like, seriously, eight or nine inches long. It's, it, this kid is huge. And he's in high school. Imagine somebody over two feet taller than that. This guy was big. And David walks out on the field of battle. Goliath, this 10-foot man, has got a, a big sword that if, I, I probably couldn't lift it. And a shield and a helmet and all this stuff. He's, he's, he's ready for battle, man. And here comes David, this sheep herder, this, this ginger, this, not, not even against ginger, I'm painting, painting a picture of this, this slight dude walking out on this field of battle, and he's got a sling and a rock. Like, dude, you're an idiot. Think about that. Like, dude, you're just stupid. You're, here's your sign. It's about, he's, he's about to kill you. He's going to cut your head off and walk around with it. That's what, was about, that's what people thought was about to happen to David. But David had big faith. He had a big relationship with God. He prayed big prayers. And what did he do? He put, the, he put the stone in the sling. He wound the thing up, let it go, hit the joker between the eyes and killed it. And then took the sword that I'm saying I probably couldn't lift and cut the joker's head off. That's violent. Not much has changed in 6,000 years. But he looked foolish. Big faith will put you out there. Skip to the New Testament, and, and Jesus' disciples are on a boat, and there's a big storm, and Jesus comes walking across the water. And they see him, and they think it's a ghost, and they're freaked out. I would be too. I, I would be right there. Don't, don't hate on the, on the disciples for thinking Jesus was a ghost because it's storming, and somebody's walking on the water. Come on. Don't hate on them for that. We would think it was a ghost too, and we'd be scared. And Peter's like, Lord, if that's really you, let me come out there with you. And he's like, was that my outside voice? Because that actually came out of my mouth, and I actually said that because Jesus said, okay, come on. Big faith led to a big ask, right? And the big ask leads to a big step. If we're going to ask for it, we got to be willing to take the step. Peter did. He said, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there and be with you. And Jesus said, okay, Peter. And Peter had not only the audacity to ask for it, he had the guts to step out of the boat and go out there. And again, people hate on Peter because he took his eyes. There was a storm. He took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink, and people hate on him for that. He was walking on water. Don't hate on Peter. That's more than most of us would do. So he slipped, and he started to sink, and Jesus reached down and picked him up, and they walked back on water to the boat together. How crazy epic is that? But it put him out there. Jesus could have turned him down, but man, when Jesus didn't turn him down, then he had to back it up. It's kind of, you know, put up or shut up doesn't even work there because he already said it. He had to put up at that point. Big prayers require lots of guts. But if you're not willing to ask the big question and step out of the boat, you will never walk on water. Am I telling you you're going to walk on water? No. (laughs) Metaphorically speaking, if you're not willing to ask the big question and willing to take the big step, you won't see your miracle. 
you won't see your promise come to pass. In order to experience a big miracle, we got to take a risk. You got to put yourself out there. You got to increase the tenacity and the scope of your prayer. You got to put it out there. A business owner knows what risk is. If you're a business owner, you, you know, you get it. You're risking. The greatest chapters in history begin with a great risk, as do chapters in our lives. And if we're not willing to take a risk, we may miss what God wants to do in our life. If we're unwilling to listen to God, we may miss something big that he wants us to do, something that he wants us to build, something that's never been done or seen before, like Noah or Peter. Who's to say that stuff can't be, not building an ark, but who's to say all the big things are done? Who's to say the last chapter's been written? Who's to say the last big, crazy man or woman of God has been seen? No, I don't believe that. There are people that God has placed gifts and talents in. There are people that God has placed vision in that he wants to use you to do amazing things, things that you don't even know yet, things you haven't even imagined yet because he's the God of exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. He's got plans for our life, Jeremiah 29, 11, and he wants us to do big things. But big things require big prayers. We can't build God's reputation if we're not willing to risk ours. I said you're God's commercial, you're God's billboard. We can't build his reputation if we're not willing to risk ours. What does that mean? We're putting ourselves out there when we tell someone, I'll pray for you. God can change your situation. He can, he can heal you. He can take away your sickness. He can help you with your addiction. He can help you with your finances, your relationship, your marriage. He can help all those things. We're putting ourselves out there when we tell someone that God will work your situation out. I had somebody tell me once that they were, they were sick, they had cancer. And I, I, I was completely blatantly honest. I'm like, I am praying for you to be healed. Amen. Bottom line, until God says or does something otherwise, I'm praying for you to be healed. They told me, they, they passed away. They said, I've got enough faith for both of us, pastor. But if God chooses not to, I get to see him before you do. Somebody told me that. See, that's the attitude that I'm praying for something huge. I'm praying for something that's bigger than anything I've ever seen before. I'm praying for God to do something I've never seen before. But if he chooses not to do that thing, I'm okay with that. Why? Because his plan is his plan. And I don't have to have everything I want as long as I'm doing what he's called me to do and I'm stepping in the steps that he's ordered for me. The, the thing about faith is we believe when we can't see, but trust is still believing when we don't get it. And still praying the big prayer when we might not get every single thing that we want. That's life-changing, world-changing faith. I've got to hurry. Big prayers... Come, of, come from one or two places. Either God prompting or desperation. Either God has prompted you to pray for something and you're doing it or you're just so stinking desperate that you got to have some change and you're just praying, God, I need help. I need change. And we're going we're gonna to visit two prophets today that, that exhibit these things. The first one was God prompting in Ezekiel 37. The, the, the scripture tells a story of God visiting Ezekiel in a dream. It said, the hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. Picture a valley. It was full of bones. That's creepy. 
He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry, old, dead bones, very creepy. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Our logical answer says, no, they're dead. But Ezekiel said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. The story goes back and forth, step by step on, and, and God instructs Ezekiel to prophesy or to speak to the bones. And they assemble into bodies, and they're covered with mo- muscle and skin, and they receive breath, and they live. And every step of the way, God is telling Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones, prophesy to the muscle, prophesy to the, to the skin, prophesy to, to the, the breath going into their bodies. And, and God raised up an army in that valley. This is what I'm talking about right now is big boy and big girl stuff, so let's, let's go there. It was a picture of deliverance. It was a picture of restoration that God was bringing, and this was a picture of what God was going to put back together what had been destroyed. He was putting back together what had been destroyed. It was God prompted. It was God focused. But it was put yourself out there kind of stuff. God could have visited Ezekiel in a dream and and showed him the valley of dry bones and just started assembling them together. He could have done that because he's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. He could have done that all by himself, but he chose to have the interaction and the voice of Ezekiel in that. We'll read a scripture in a minute that's going to tie into this. Speak to the bones, speak to the muscle and skin, speak to the wind and give them breath. He obeyed, God performed, and the mission was accomplished. See why, the, see why a relationship with God is so vital, it's so important? Because this wasn't Ezekiel praying out of desperation. This was God visiting him and saying, do this. Noah wasn't praying out of desperation. God visited him and said, do this. It was God prompted miracles. God prompted big prayers. That's why the relationship is so important. If you know God, he will sometimes speak to you and ask you to put yourself out there to get the job done. That's God prompted. Let's talk about desperation. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah was frustrated. He was frustrated. Prophets were being killed. And people were worshiping a false god named Baal. Statue. And there were 450 prophets that Baal that were worshiping Baal, and, and they were, they were, Elijah called them out. And in 1 Kings, it's, it's in the middle of him calling them out. He's like, you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers, <laughs> talk about putting yourself out there. The God who answers by fire, <laughs> he is God. If we want fire, we have those little lighter things, the long Elijah said, the God who answered by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. So here's Elijah. He was seeing people worship this false God, and and God's people were turning away from God and starting to worship this false prophet, and this false God and the prophets were killing God's prophets, and it was just bad. And he's like, this has got to stop. I'm desperate. This has got to change because this is bad. This is not going to end well for us. So he walks out, and he challenges them basically to a duel. And he's like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build an altar. And we're going to put a sacrifice on, back in the Old Testament, they sacrificed to God. We're going to put a bull on the altar. And you guys are going to go first. And you're going to pray to your God. And you're going to ask him to send fire from heaven to burn your offering. And then I'm going to do the same thing. And who, whosoever God answers is the one who's going to be God. 
And they're like, all right, that's cool. So they did this. And they, they, they built the altar, man, of stones and wood, and they killed a cow and put it on there, and they're going to have this big sacrifice, and the prophets of Baal start, start praying, and nothing happens, and they pray, and nothing happens, they sing, nothing happens. They start cutting themselves, like nothing happens. And Elijah is mocking them. He's not just saying, let's see who's God. He's like, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe, maybe he's doing something else, and he just doesn't have time for you. And the more he mocks them, the more they do to get their God to answer, but he never does because he wasn't God, right? Thank you. <laughs> so he does all this. He goes through this, and finally he says, okay, my turn. So the altar's there, and the, the, the cow's up there. He's like, okay, let's dig a trench around the altar. So they dug a trench around the altar. He's like, bring barrels of water and pour it on the sacrifice. So they brought barrels of water and they poured it over the cow. Who's tried to burn wet wood before? It doesn't, it, it doesn't burn. I'd be pouring oil. Like find me some motor oil or something and dump on the sacrifice because the first spark, man, it's gone. He dumps barrels of oil over the altar and fills the trench around the altar with water. And he's like, all right, here we go. He prayed. Sixty words. He prayed. And what happened? Fire came from heaven. It burned the wet sacrifice, the wet wood, the water, the altar, everything. And what happened at that point? Everybody bowed down and worshiped God. Dude, that's putting yourself way out there. I'm not advocating going to the corner of Marlin and, and Eastern and building an altar and saying I'm going, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that sometimes that you will have to put, if, if you're desperate enough, you're going to put yourself out there. If you need to see change badly enough, you're going to put yourself out there and you're, you're going to say, God, I've got to see some results. I've got to see some things change in my life. I've got to see this. What dream or vision has God given you that hasn't happened yet because you're afraid of failing or you're afraid of, of putting yourself out there? Sometimes scripture reads like Lord of the Rings. Well, I just talked about a little... Teenage dude cutting off a 10-foot guy's head. Fire coming from heaven and burning all kinds of stuff up. But what, what does God want to do in our life? Those are extreme, extreme pictures of what God can do. If he can do things like that, he can heal my marriage. If he can do things like that, he can, he can let me find a way to provide for my family. If he can do things like that, he can help me with my sickness that I battle. He can help me eat healthier. He can help me lose weight. He can help me kick addictions. He can help me do whatever I need to do. Those things are there. If God can send fire from heaven and burn rocks. If God can treat Pharaoh of Egypt like he's a puppet, a marionette with strings on him, change his mind, flip-flopping back and forth worse than a politician that we see today if he can make that happen to somebody he can do whatever I need him to do in my life 
So what am I not doing because I'm afraid of failure or I'm, af- I'm afraid that I'm going to be told no and my faith will be impacted? What am I not doing because of my past? Just as an aside, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament was a persecutor of Christians. Had him thrown in jail and killed. He converted. Man, what, what a story. What, what he did. How he changed the world. I, I believe Paul is the most prolific preacher in the history of man. Whatever your, your hero preacher is, whatever one that you think, when you, when you think of, of heroic preachers or guys that can really bring it, he's all those combined. What are you hesitating to do because you think people won't take you seriously? That might get in our business a little bit right there. It's time we change our mindset because it's not about us. It's about Christ who works in us. It's about Jesus who's empowered us. When we realize, Scripture says, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, when he was dead in the tomb, and he was raised back to life, and he ascended to heaven after meeting with his disciples, the same power that did all of that resides in me? Then why is my life so tough right now? We have not because we ask not. When we understand what we really have and who we really are and whose we really are, and we walk in that dimension and that spiritual authority, our lives will change. It doesn't mean we won't have adversity or difficulty because we will have both. Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble, but don't be afraid, don't freak out because I've overcome the world. And the same spirit that's going to raise me out of the grave is going to live in you. That's a pretty great promise. That's a pretty great promise. So what are you tired of right now? What are you tired of enough to say, I'm not leaving until it's done? What are you desperate about? I've been, I've been, let me just be completely transparent, like I'm not most of the time anyway. There are some things that I'm tired of right now. Is that okay? And I'm, I've, I've changed some, some ways I've been praying about some stuff. And I expect results because maybe I wasn't getting because I wasn't asking. Maybe specific things weren't happening because I wasn't praying specific prayers. When you, when, when you pray a prayer that says, God bless me today, what does that mean? God, give me special anointing. Is there any other kind? I need help today. With what? God, you know what I'm going through. What is it? What's going on in your life? If my kids come and say, Dad, you know what I'm dealing with. I need help. Boyfriend, girlfriend, grades, puberty, high school, college, driving, cars, career path. No, what is it? I am not a mind reader. My kids don't come to me with generalities and say, Dad, I need help with this. Dad, this is going on. I need help. I'm like, okay, let's, let's deal with it. When we go to God with specific prayers, we'll get specific results. When we stop speaking in generalities and, saying, and, and stop worrying about putting him out, Scripture says he's a strong tower. We run to it. We're safe. That he'll withhold nothing good from us, that all things come from him. So why, why are we not praying? Because maybe we don't know. Don't hate on yourself for not knowing. You don't know what you don't know. 
But the Bible says that as the light shines across our path, we're to walk in it. So as we know these things, we're to do them. As we know these things, we are to walk in them and experience them. So as of today, there are, no one in here has an excuse for praying a generic prayer. God, I need help. God bless me today. God, you know. Who's seen the guy on, on, the, on the internet that has like the prayers and the church thingies? And he's just funny. Like the, he, I think Michelle posted something where he, he was walking through a, through a mall and like, leaving out the temptation, all this kind of stuff. It's funny. John Chris, he's funny, dude. He's got a scripture for everything, and it's funny. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Light bulbs. Boom. <laughs> specific prayers get specific results. Big prayers get big results. Little prayers get, look, if I want to just get by, pray that prayer, man. You have at it. And you just hold on till Jesus comes. That's cool. I don't want to live like that. I don't. So you, if you want to pray a little prayer, you pray it. I'm not going to knock you for it, but I'm going to pray big prayers. I'm going to pray specific prayers. I'm going to pray things that, that actually shakes heaven. I'm going to pray prayers that, that, that are bigger. If your dreams and your prayers don't scare a little bit, make them bigger. If they don't freak you out just a little bit and it's like, I'm not sure I can do all that, then you're not praying big enough. I'm sure Noah wasn't qualified to build the ark. David wasn't qualified to kill the 10-foot dude. Peter wasn't qualified to walk on water. But guess what? They all did it. They all did it. Why? Because God allowed them to do it, and he empowered them to do it. What God has called you to do, he's already gifted you for. You just don't know it yet. The vision he's put in your, in your, in your heart, in your mind, he's already provided a way to do it. You just don't see it yet. And I'm talking to me, too. So let's just do this together. Let's, let's expand our thinking. Let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind and praying bigger prayers and asking for more things. Not the red bottom shoes. I mean, you can if you want to. But I'm praying for God to, to turn us upside down and, and grow us together and to add to this group and to grow this church in our community and to bless and anoint all of us. When God was talking to Moses, and he's like, I'm going to bring quail down and feed everybody. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but there were millions of people. He, God asked Moses, is there any limit to my power? The answer is no. Your situation may be big. Your dream may be big. Your problem may be big. But guess what? God's bigger. God is bigger. Matthew 17, and I'm, bring, I'm wrapping this up. Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say, everybody say, say. Say. Say to this mountain. I believe King James says, speak. Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be, <laughs> nothing will be impossible for you. So whatever it is that you've already imagined since i've started today but pastor you don't know what i'm dealing with you don't know how big this problem is you don't know how big this situation with ant moot point because nothing will be impossible for you if you have faith if you have faith nothing Jesus' disciples, the setting here is they had just they had seen Jesus cast out demons and heal people and do all kinds of crazy stuff. 
And here's this dude presented with a spirit, and they're trying to cast the, the, the spirit out of the dude, and, and they couldn't do it. And they're asking Jesus, why couldn't we do this? We've seen you do it. He's like, because you had so little faith. You've got to have faith to do this kind of stuff. But if you do have faith, you can speak to the situation or the circumstance in your life, and it has to move. And nothing will be impossible. I love that. Nothing will be impossible for you. So what do you need to change in your life? What needs to happen in your life? What did you just identify when I've been talking about this? Nothing is impossible. Pray big. Pray big. What are you sick and tired of? What's got to change? If you feel that way, it's time for something to break. It's time for something. Write something down. I challenge you to go home today and write something down. Articulate something from your mind to a piece of paper or to a dry erase board or to whatever it is that you write on. Put a note in your phone. I don't know. Just write something down. Record something that you need to change. Verbalize something. Make a declaration and say, this has got to change and start praying a big prayer. You may have to pray, I believe I can fly. I don't know. (laughs) Speak about that thing. If you're desperate to, uh, um, help me out. If you're desperate to eat healthier, let's just use that. If you're desperate to eat healthier, ask God every morning that you get out of bed. God, help me make good choices. Need me like John Chris, leave me not in temptation. Every difficult situation you find yourself in, speak God's word over that situation and, and just pray big prayers. That may not seem like a big deal to some of you, but to some of it will change your life. It changed my life. It could change all of our lives. Pray big prayers. It's time to see mountains move. It's time to see big miracles in our lives and big miracles in our church. You can pray small prayers if you want to. If, you don't, if you're not interested, that's fine. But we, ne- we need to stop just living and stop just existing and stop having the prayer strength mindset and believe God for bigger things. Again, in James 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There are some big prayers being prayed right now by some of us. There need to be more. Some of you are just afraid to even write your dreams or your needs down because they intimidate you and you're scared to ask for stuff. Don't let your enemy keep you down by thinking God won't do it for you. Let's stand together. Don't let Satan keep you hemmed in and down and beat down by thinking that God won't do something for you because, guess what? He will. When we pray big, impossible, audacious prayers... We treat God like he's big enough to answer the impossible. You're saying, God, I believe you can do this. I believe that you love me enough. I believe that you're strong enough and mighty enough that you can do whatever I'm asking you to do. But by praying like that, we admit to him that we can't do it. And we're not all that strong. And that we need him to show up and reveal just how powerful that he is. When we pray epic prayers we'll start to see epic results. Epic prayers get epic results.